say that, that, that it's not necessary, but I don't say it's always been the blood. It'll always be the blood. If you get to heaven, it'll be through the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Eden, it was the blood. When Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal, an innocent animal, and set the standard right there. There was bloodshed in Eden. Then in Egypt, there was blood. When God said, take a firstborn of a male, a lamb, and He said, put His blood on the doorpost, on the lintel. He said, when I see the blood, He said, I'll pass over you. And in eternity, it's going to be the blood of Jesus Christ. Over there in Revelation chapter 1, uh, John the Revelator said unto Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. I thank God for the blood. Amen. Uh, this Tuesday night will be 15 years ago. I got saved in a watch night service. Uh, about 10 o'clock one night, a 16-year-old boy. I went to church that night, been church my whole life. I did not realize what was about to happen in my life. God was about to turn my world upside down. And I'm so glad that He saved me. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. Uh, still excited about it. I got saved, and a little while later, got on fire for the Lord, surrendered to preach. And there was an old, uh, one of them old codgers in the church that you know what I'm talking about. One of them wet back, they throw wet blankets on there. He come up to me one day, and we done had one of them slobber singing services. And he said, "Son," he said, "I don't want to discourage." You. Now, when somebody says that when they prerequisite their, what they're going to say by "I don't want," then pretty much you know they're going to try to discourage you. He said, "But you're green right now," and he said, "You give a little time." He said, you won't be, he said, all this shouting and can't, he said, I, he said, that, that's going to, he said, I want you to know, that's going to, you're going to lose that one day. And listen, I want to say, I might lose it tomorrow, but I'm glad that there's still joy in my heart about being saved by the grace of God. And it's an honor to be here and appreciate the Lord working it out where we could come. And if you got your Bible tonight, open to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, um, Hebrews chapter 12, familiar text tonight, uh, been praying about what God would have us to do and say and uh, and I pray that God will use this to be a blessing to you tonight. Familiar text, and, and I want to say this. you got to be careful the longer you're in church. Uh, if you're not careful, you'll get so familiar with certain portions of the Bible uh, where when you come to it, you'll just kind of skim over it or move on through it. And, and what happens is you're robbing yourself for, of help from God. Uh, there's a reason these texts are familiar. It's because there's gold in there. There's there's help in there. And there's no different here uh, in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, if you don't mind, uh, stand with us. If you're able, if you're unable, that's fine. But if you're able, stand with us. We'll read a few verses in Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing, <clears throat> verse number 1, also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied, and faint in your minds. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this night. And Lord, I don't bow before you out of habit, Lord, or ritual. But Lord, I bow before you now and ask you to help me, God. Because only you can help me. And I need you tonight. And Lord, though some may look upon this and say this is just a Sunday night. And just a small crowd here on the backside of Knoxville. And really nothing great going on. But Lord, I know that wherever you are, there's something great going on. And Lord, you said where two or three are gathered in your name, you'd be in the midst, and we know you're here tonight. 
And Lord, I pray, God, tonight you might use me to be your mouthpiece, God, uh, to be a vessel, God, that you could speak through. And Lord, I pray, God, tonight you'd use us to be a blessing and a help to your people. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen, amen. You can be seated. In Hebrews chapter 12, I've always read this, and like I said, you get familiar with it. And uh, For a long time, I'd always get hung up in verse number 1, where it talks about that great cloud of witnesses and laying aside the sins and the weights. And uh, for a long time, I thought, you know, that's the, that's the key to this chapter, and that's the key to this text. And then I started looking at verse number 2, and where it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And for a long time, I thought, well, that's got to be the key to this text. But not too long ago, I was reading this again, and probably the hundredth time or more than that, I've read this. And the Lord really brought my attention at verse number 3, where the Bible says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Lest ye be wearied. And faith in your minds. And it was like a light come on in my mind. God said, that's why I wrote verse number one. And that's why I wrote verse number two. Is because uh, these people here that God was talking to uh, were going through some hard times in their lives. Some of them been expelled from their own family. In fact, uh, they say when a, when a Jew, a Hebrew, would get saved uh, in the early church days, that they'd have a funeral. Uh, the family would have a funeral. And they would pretend as if that person was dead and had no, and no longer existed. And no doubt some of these people that were reading this uh, were going through that. They, their own family had turned on them. Their own loved ones had uh, acted as if they had ceased to exist. And uh, these people, not only that, but uh, they were being persecuted by uh, the Romans and by the government. And uh, their heads were being cut off. And their families were being divided. They were being uh, locked up and put in prison. And uh, I'm talking about they was going through a whole lot of heartache in their lives. Here the Lord writes and He tells them, uh, He said, lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. Uh, lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. And when I think about this in light of the world that we live in, uh, there's a whole lot of the same things going on uh, tonight that were going on back then. I mean, there's people uh, tonight who their family, they're afraid. They don't want to talk to them. Uh, they don't want nothing to do with them uh, because they go to church on Sunday and they go to church on Sunday night. And they love the Bible and they love the Lord and they want to live their life by the Bible. And they're treated as if they're some sort of alien or some sort of stranger. And there's people that have been persecuted. You understand, we don't realize in America, but all over the world tonight, there's people hiding for their life. I want to say thank God I'm an American tonight. I know America ain't what it used to be and it ain't what it ought to be, but I'm glad we're not what everybody else is. We can still go to church and we can still carry a Bible. Uh, but listen, there's people tonight who are running for their life because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And listen, Paul here, uh, under inspiration of God, he says you need to be careful. He said you need to watch out. He said because there's a danger uh, that you might get weary and faint in your mind. And here as we come into this year, in my own life, I've been trying to 
I mean, listen, I know New Year's resolutions, you know, uh, that's just something that a lot of times we just make and break so quick. Uh, but I believe when it comes to the things of God, uh, listen, we ought to take it seriously and uh, we ought to examine our lives and look over our lives uh, and check ourselves. And that's what uh, communion's about. It's about examining yourself and judging yourself and bringing yourself back into a closer walk with God. And listen tonight, I, I tell you, as I read this, I want God to help me uh, to make sure sure that I don't faint and I don't grow weary in my mind. Uh, tonight, there's a lot of people who have grown weary and they're fainting in their minds. You know, that's where it starts in the mind. I mean, listen, that's where it starts. Uh, no doubt there was probably people that were here at uh, this time last year who are no longer with you tonight. I don't know who they are. I don't know their story. Uh, somewhere along the way, uh, they fell out of the way and they fell out of church. Can I say tonight, uh, that's not where it started at. Uh, it's right here uh, in their mind. And Paul said, be careful uh, lest ye faint and are weary in your mind. We need to be careful lest we be weary and faint in our minds. I think about this, you know, that, that word fainting, that word fainting. It means a, a loss of consciousness and awareness. Uh, we've all seen people faint before and there's a lot of different things. It means to go numb. It means to lose control. You know, when people faint, they start, before they faint, they start saying things that they normally wouldn't say. They start doing things they normally wouldn't be doing. They lose control of their members and, uh, and they start acting funny. And, uh, and listen, you can see it sometimes. And maybe there's somebody tonight, I don't know, but maybe there's somebody tonight who you're starting to feel some of these symptoms of spiritual fainting in your life. You know, fainting is caused, it's evidenced by different symptoms, different problems. You know, fainting, all that is, is an external thing that is evidence of an internal problem. When somebody faints, listen, it's evidence that there is an internal problem. When somebody faints, the EMT shows up. Uh, listen, they don't start looking in their eyes and uh, uh, start checking their fingernails and uh, uh, checking their scalps. I mean, they don't come. And uh, brother, brother Toby, if, some, if you were to faint tonight, uh, God help, Amen. If you did, uh, y'all pray for me if that happens. I hope that don't happen. But I mean, EMT not gonna show up and say, "Hey, this boy needs to shave. Uh, let's get a razor." Their life. So there's something's gone wrong right here in their heart. 
Can I say spiritually speaking, when someone's about to think there, there's no wonder that old Solomon told his son, he says, with all thy diligence, he says, keep thy heart. He says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Uh, listen, it could be a bad heart. Uh, it could be a broken heart. Uh, sometimes if those vows uh, get messed up inside a person's heart and start letting too much blood go through, or not enough blood go out, uh, those vows, that broken heart, uh, can cause somebody to think, oh, listen, is there anybody here uh, that's ever had a broken heart uh, because of somebody said something or uh, somebody done something? I mean, uh, sometimes it seems like the ones that uh, you love the most and you try to help the most and you pray for the most. It seems like they're the first ones uh, to turn around and stab you in the back and do you wrong. And listen, uh, it's only natural for your heart to break, a broken heart. Heart problems, a bitter heart. A bitter heart, heart disease. You know what heart disease is? That's when something gets in your heart that ain't supposed to be there. You know, that's what bitterness is. There's a lot of Christians tonight that are so bitter that they're so far away from God and they're so mad at the world and so mad at the church and uh, so mad at the preacher and they've got so much bitterness in their heart and they think, boy, I'm getting them bad. Oh, I'm really showing them by not going tonight. I'm really showing him. Oh, I'm going to get them bad. Oh, but can I remind you, the Bible says, vengeance uh, belongeth unto the Lord. He said, I will repay. Why is that? Uh, because God knows we can't handle that. Uh, listen, we cannot go around uh, trying to set up a score and Make things even with people. Uh, listen, if you're not careful, you'll get a bitter heart and you'll find a burdened heart. A burdened heart. You see what it means? A heart that's carrying too much weight. I'd say we all suffer from that a little bit, especially after Christmas time. I mean, listen, I really don't know if you're a Baptist if you ain't got at least 20 extra pounds somewhere. But a burdened heart. What's the doctor say when you have heart? First thing they're going to say, you need to lose weight. You're carrying around more than you're supposed to be carrying. You're carrying around some things that uh, you're not built to carry. And can I say, listen, most of the reason for uh, the, the, the majority of our faith tonight in our churches is we're carrying around burdens that God never intended uh, for us to carry. I mean, listen, there's mamas tonight who've got to be the mama and they've got to be the daddy. Listen, if you're in that situation, I believe God will give you grace and give you strength. Uh, listen, if you're a husband and you're letting your wife do that, God help you tonight. You ought to man up and be the man. Listen, God never intended for it to be that way. There's people go around worrying about things they shouldn't worry about. Trying to worry about this and worry about that. If you're not careful, you'll keep putting those weights on, and that heart will get heavier and heavier and heavier. And all of a sudden, your skin will go pale, spiritually speaking, and your blood pressure will begin to rise, and you'll fall on God. A lot of people have fainted because they carry too much weight. Heart problems and health problems cause fainting. Sugar diabetes is a real cause for fainting. It's a it's very common for people with that. I don't know if anyone here has that, but uh, it's common that they, they, they faint if they don't. And, and there's two different types. One is too much sugar, and one is not enough sugar. Yeah. Now, I've seen both sides of that fence, Brother Tony. You've got the crowd that ain't got enough sugar. Yeah. 
And listen, all they want to do is hammer and beat and pound and everybody's wrong and everything's wrong. And if you don't breathe out of your nose when you sleep and then and exhale through your mouth and sleep on your left side with your left hand tucked under your pillow. And if you don't have white sheets and a red comforter and a downfield blanket, then you're not right with God. And they go around with a measure and tape, up checking everybody's hem lines and how, how long their skirts are. And they go around checking everybody, up making sure their hair is just right. And listen, there's a crowd that all they want is just that whole hard nastiness and that, that they want they don't want no sugar at all. And they don't but listen, you know what? You're married physically that you need some sweets every now and again. Uh, you need some sugar every now and again. Oh, and listen, isn't it good? Hot when you come to church and you're tired and weary and your heart's grown tired and you're about to give in and give up. Oh, but God pours a little honey out and gives you just a little bit of sugar up to go on for God. But then there's another side of that fence. It's too much sugar. Yeah. My son, he's here with me tonight, Drew. This, this has been our little trip up here. I was supposed to stay uh, through the week, but my grandma's sick. She's in the hospital, and uh, it's pretty, they, they've not given her much chance of living, so we're going to have to leave early in the morning and go to Gainesville, Georgia, and see her. But my son, they're, they're, my wife, she, she makes sure they eat right and all that stuff, and she won't give them all this. Again, I told him, I said, son, I said, when we get up there to, to Maryville, to the hotel, that's all we call it, the hotel. I said, listen, we're going to eat candy. We're going to drink Coca-Colas. We're going to jump on the bed. I mean, we're going to have fun. And, man, he's been so excited. Last night we went to uh, Cheddar's and ate. I said, give him some Coke, amen, real Coke, not diet, not the caffeine free. Uh, give him real Coke. He sat her there. That little kid's cut. I mean, he sucked one down and handed it back. Got another one, sucked it down. I thought, man, it this fun. We was high-fiving. I'm talking about giving nuts, having a good time. He was dipping his chicken fingers and honey mustard, had it all over. I mean, we was having a ball. And listen, we went back to the hotel room, and it was about 9.30, and I turned off the lights. I said, all right, son, it's time to go to bed. Well, it wasn't time for Drew to go to bed. All that sugar had started kicking in on him. And all of a sudden, I looked, he was bouncing from one bed, back to the other 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 bed. He put out his feet up on the wall, doing flips backwards, and throwing things across the road. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, there's a reason why Mama don't want him to have too much caffeine. There's a reason why he don't need all that sugar. And I learned my lesson. We drunk Sprite today, didn't we, Drew? We drunk Sprite at lunch, amen. Oh, listen, he had too much sugar. And listen tonight, I'm afraid that that's, the, that's a real problem tonight. You've got some people that go around and all they want is a little candy cane and a little snicker bar. And listen, they don't want no strong meat from that Bible. They don't want no straight preacher. I mean, just pat me on the back. I'll put a touchy roll in my mouth and send me on my way. But listen, friend, there's a danger. We need more than just that. Head problems. Head problems. You know, that's another sign. When there's not enough blood flow in your brain, you can faint. Not enough blood flow. You know, I think that's why you need to come to church every time you can. Because you come, what, what, you know what, when they were singing a little while ago, when they were singing, you know what that was? That was some blood flow going through our mind. And then when, listen, when they were singing about the old rugged cross, and, oh, we sing about glory to His name, and there is a fountain filled. You know what that was? That was blood flow going through our brain. But then you got heat problems. Heat problems. Sometimes people will faint if they, have, they get exposed to too much heat, too much sun. And listen, if you're not careful, listen, this world, it gets hot sometimes, and it gets dry. And listen... 
you're not careful, you'll get out there in the world and you'll be trying to serve God and trying to live for God and trying to do what's right and trying to raise your family and trying to be a good husband or be a good wife or uh, be a good church member. You'll try to come every time you can and you'll try to do what you're supposed to do. Oh, but listen, if you're not careful, uh, you'll get overexposed to the sun and the heat in your life and it'll call you say, what are we supposed to do? I believe we ought to do like Ruth did and get underneath the wings of the Almighty of God, uh, there's nothing better uh, than nestling up beside God and letting Him put His arms around you and shade you from the sun. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let's look here in the text real quick. Like, just a few things. How are we supposed to keep from being weary? How are we supposed to keep from fainting? You know, I, I, I don't want to. I'd rather have never surrendered to preach. Then Brother Toby to surrender to preach and then one day faint and do and dis, dishonor my Lord, dishonor my calling, dishonor the ministry. I don't want to faint. Oh, and listen, you say, well, Brother James, I've been in church all these years. I've made it this far. I'm not really worried about it. Can I tell you, friend, you'll never, you'll never get to a place in your walk with God where it's not a possibility uh, for you to faint. The Bible says, Him that thinketh he stand to take heed, uh, lest you fall. I've seen some people this last year that quit on God and threw in the towel. I never thought would have done it. Oh, what happened? They fainted in their mind. He says in verse number 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, he says, wherefore, anytime I see that word, wherefore, in my Bible, I just draw an arrow pointing back to the previous verses, the previous chapter. He's, and he's talking in light of chapter number 11. You know chapter number 11 is the hall of faith for the Hebrew people. He named Abraham and Abel and all those leaders and Joseph and Jacob and Isaac and on down the line. He went down and he, ta- he exhorted them about their faith and how they, they conquered great enemies and, and they won great battles. And uh, some of them even laid down their life for the cause of Christ. And he's talking about all these people who had died and had gone on to heaven. And here in chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, Wherefore? He says, Wherefore? He said, Seeing we are compassed about but with so great a cloud of witnesses, I believe the first thing tonight uh, to keep from fainting is this. Uh, we've got to remember the crowd. Uh, remember the crowd. Oh, listen, friend, tonight there's a long line of people who shed their blood and shed their sweat and their tears and paid the road for you and I. I don't know the history of this church. I don't know how far it goes back, but I promise you there was somewhere, somebody who paid a price for you and sacrificed for you. Uh, there's a little mama somewhere who reached out in that purse and got her last door out and put it in the there's an old farmer somewhere who gave everything he had uh, so we could be here tonight. You say, Brother James, how uh, can we keep from not fame? It's by remembering the crowd. You aren't the first person to serve God. And you're not the last person to serve God. Uh, we've got a duty uh, to those who've gone before us to keep pressing on. Remember the crowd. you got to remember the price they paid. All through Hebrews 11, you see how Abel gave his life. Abel was willing to die for the faith. Noah gave his labor. He built an ark. Abraham gave his lad. He gave his son Isaac. Jacob gave his leg. God touched it. 
Moses' parents gave their love when they put their little son in a basket and sent him away. And Moses was willing to give up the loot of Egypt, the money. He chose to suffer rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And oh, listen, the writer here is telling them, listen, don't forget we've got a cloud of witnesses. We've got a great crowd of witnesses that looks upon us. He says, don't forget the crowd. Don't forget the ones that have gone on before. I know there's different interpretations and applications. Oh, but all I know is tonight, there's a long line of men and women who, listen, paid the price and sacrificed. And listen, they gave everything for the cause of Christ. And tonight, they're gathered around the throne of heaven worshiping the Son of God. And listen, we owe it to God. And we owe it to them to stay faithful in this wicked world that we live in. Remember the crowd. You know, I, I'm i not ashamed of what I am. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of it. I've been made fun quite a bit for being an old-fashioned preacher. But can I say I got saved in the old-time way? I got saved underneath a sweat slinging. I'm talking about hellfire, damnation preaching. I got saved under old-time Holy Ghost conviction that shook me from the top of my head that used to have hair all the way down to the bottom of my feet. I mean, that's what got me in prayer. I surrendered to preach in an old-fashioned technique. And when I stood up off that altar and announced my surrender to preach, my little 13-year-old sister was sitting in the back and she shouted the tent down that night. And I'm talking about we had a time. Oh, listen, I was I was raised on that. And I was saved on that. And listen, God help me tonight. If I come this far and just forget all that and say I'm going another way, I owe it to them and I owe it to God to stay faithful to Him. <clears throat> Being an evangelist will take you in a lot of different places. I'm saying it nicely. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm new to this. I, I, I've never said I'm called. I'm just trying to, I'm just preaching, and God opens doors and trying to stay faithful until He tells me the next move in my life. And I got called to come down to South Georgia and preach this church, and I didn't know nothing about it. I didn't know nothing about it. This man called me. He's talking about. Uh, they was actually looking for a pastor. He called. He said, "Boy, we're old fashioned. We we like them old songs, and we use the King James." I mean, he was telling me everything you want to hear. And he said, "Man, we just want somebody to come and tell like it is and preach it straight." And, I mean, he was saying all this. He said, "We want you to come." And he he booked me uh, on a weekend to come down there. And, uh, we went down there. I believe it was last February. We went down there. Uh, we showed up that Sunday morning, walked in, and the church was a beautiful church out in the country. And I thought, "Man, this is nice." I walked around and said, this is nice. I guarantee you, uh, this is the right kind. And, 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 then, and, and listen, but it didn't take me about five minutes into the service to realize I was a fish out of water in that place. I mean, listen, it was, I, I don't even want to say, I, I mean, God help us tonight. It was just, I mean, oh, it was just so, I mean, I could just feel the Holy Ghost of God being grieved in my heart. And my brother-in-law, who's in the army at that time, uh, he was there that morning. He had never heard a clear presentation of the gospel other than my my, my wife witnessing to me. He had never been in a Baptist church. 
and had never heard somebody preach the gospel uh, straight and, 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 and honestly to him. And his wife was there, and she had never heard the gospel. They was raised Lutheran, and I mean, lost as they could be. And I thought, dear Lord, that little church was packed out that morning. I thought, Lord God, please don't let me waste uh, the opportunity you've given me uh, to preach the gospel to my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. And somehow, by the grace of God, he brought me up above that mess that was going on that morning. And he allowed me to preach the gospel to him. And I mean, listen, I just, I just, in my mind, all I saw was them. I didn't even pay attention to all the other nonsense going on. And listen, I preached my heart out. They didn't get saved, but they both sat back there on the back row and wept and wept. And they wouldn't come. They wouldn't come. We dismissed the service. And I, I was in the back shaking hands. And they, I mean, they weren't really, they weren't really saying too much, you know, when they come back. Oh, yeah, nice to see you. Hope you have a good life. And, you, know, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. You know, don't let it go here so we can walk out. But now you're just standing right standing there. This fellow uh, walked up to you with a smirk on his face. He said, you know, I've always wanted to see more like you. I said, you have to worry maybe you can do one of them kids. He started to make an old-fashioned preacher. He said, you remember all those times you prayed and you cried and you asked me to help you, make you uh, one of them old-fashioned preachers. He said, son, I heard your prayer. I, and I looked at that man in his eyes. I started crying. I couldn't help it. I don't know if it, I think he was worried it really hurt my feelings. I said, sir, can I tell you something? I said, I want to tell you thank you. I said, thank you. That's one of the best compliments anybody's ever paid me. Oh, listen, I don't care if you call me hillbilly, redneck, whatever you want to say. Well, I just am what I am by the grace of God. And there's a crowd. There's a crowd that's gone on before. Remember the crowd. Then he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. If we're not going to faint tonight, we've got to remember the crowd. But number two, you've got to remove the crowd. Remove the crud. You know, I'm not a mechanic. But when I was a child, about every couple of months, my daddy would buy one of those big old cans of STP. Yeah. You know, Richard Petty, STP. He'd take, I didn't care. I mean, we never had no nice cars. We had station wagons and all kinds of different. But I tell you what, we never went to the mechanic too. Well. I knew that much. They seem like they always run forever. One day I asked my daddy. I said, Daddy, I said, what's that do? What's that? What is that? He said, that gets all the junk out. He said, that gets all the junk out. He said, you don't do that. He said, it'll start spitting and sputtering. And he said, eventually it'll cause more problems and more problems and more problems. He said, I just do that. He said, this is what we call preventative maintenance when it comes to a car. 
And boy, as I was studying this, I thought about that. And then I thought about the Christian life. And listen, you and I, uh, we're still made of the same flesh and the same blood and the same... I mean, we still got the same sinful nature that we had before we got saved. And listen, you don't have to do nothing uh, to get some crud built up uh, in your heart and in your life. And listen, the apostle here, no doubt, uh, was exhorting these people. He says, listen, he said, there's some things you need to let go of. He said, there's some things you need to lay aside. He said, those things are contributing up to your weariness in your life. Remove the crud. Remove the crud. You know, we've all got some things that we need to get rid of. And only you know and only God knows. I'm not going to waste time trying to figure it out. You know what's wrong with me most of the time? Is I like to have this type, I call it fishing pole repentance. And what that is, is we like to tie our little pet sin. Our little pet sin. And we like to tie it on our little fishing line. We'll come into a good service and we'll throw that pass. And I'm, never, I'm, never, I'm never going to do it again. I, I'm going to let it go. I'm putting that down, that evil. And listen, it's not all sins of the flesh. I put it down. We've got no problems with sins of the spirit. I don't do sins of the flesh. The Bible says just as much about the sins of the spirit as it does the sins of the flesh. But we'll lay down that pride and that anger and that malice and that lying and that uh, dishonesty and that jealousy. We'll lay it down and we'll say, I'm letting it go. I'm never picking it up again. But we've got a little fishing pole left and we'll push that little line on that dead coat and we'll let it out, let it out, let it out. And we'll go to work on Monday morning. And I don't smart out if you work with it and up and he'll knock something off your desk or he'll say something. Hey, you know what we do? We start reeling that thing back. They said, oh, God, I'll have to lay that down another time. Paul said, lay it aside. What he said is to throw away, to cast it away. It means to get rid of it with no intention of ever picking it up again. And listen, if we don't want to face it now, there's some cry in our lives that we ought to lay down and say, by the grace of God, I'm dead. He talks about those avoidable. Oh, 
got weights on him. He's got some avoidable things that we don't need. That's what we're doing. We need to get rid of that crud. We, don't, we need to get rid of that crud. They talk about the sins, which they're so easy to sense. That's those abominable Sins. Sins. Nobody says much about it anymore. Listen, there are still some things that make God sick. That's right. Our country is trying to program us to think that we've got to accept everything as right. And nothing is wrong. Right. We have got a bunch of impact hiring preachers who right. will not preach and will not. But let me say something. There is no listen. That Old Testament has six hundred and thirty-three commandments in that Old Testament law. And listen, Jesus said, "I didn't come to destroy the law." He said, "I came to fulfill it." And listen, it's still wrong to lie. It's still wrong to steal. It's still wrong to curse. Adultery is still wrong. Fornication is still wrong. Sodomy is still wrong. Same-sex marriage is still wrong. And listen, whether the world says it is or not, and whether the TV show says it is or not. God said a long time ago, it's not right. And listen, if you keep that in your life, you'll fall out before tomorrow. You know, I'd be afraid to come to this table with crud in my heart and know it. And know it. That's what communion, that's what the Lord's Supper is about. It's about getting all that crud out. And say, Lord, I've got some buildup. I've let some things in. I, I work with a guy who's had open heart surgery twice and he's got stents in his leg. The other day we was working, we was about to dig up a sewer in the yard. I work for the sewer department. Amen. I ain't going to ask you what I, I do a lot of bad situations. Amen. But anyhow, we was there, this person had a stop sewer. He was on the backhoe. And all of a sudden he just stood up in the backhoe like this. He stood straight up like this. And he's just shaking all over. He's saying, oh, I thought, oh, Lord, he's about to have a heart this man. I mean, this guy's got a beard down the here off him. run with patience the race that is set before us we got to remain on course he said let's run with patience run with patience and listen patience is not an easy thing there was a lady I pastored and she uh, and she Miss Jessie she said when she was a young girl she was so impatient she said one night at revival she prayed that God would give her patience she meant it about eight years later, she had seven boys in her house. <laughs> and she said, I learned. She said, don't ever pray for patience, right? And I, I mean, I, she was choking, but you know where it's hard to be patient. Patience is waiting, patient waiting on God. And 
and let God work and let God move and, and, and listen the way we are. We want to make things happen and make things move. I mean, I've seen young people that get married and they try to have everything that their mom and daddy had after 30 years of marriage and five years of marriage. And before long, they get so burned out with debt and with problems that their home splits up and it falls apart. Why? They were not patient. I've seen preachers uh, get called to preach and go to Bible college and, and study and, and come out and think that they're just going to go and set the world on fire and they jump off into something that God I never wanted to jump off into. And tonight they're selling insurance or selling used cars somewhere. Why? They were not patient in the race. Listen, my wife, she runs every day. I mean, she's ran three marathons and, 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 and every marathon she's in, she was the fastest time uh, for her age group. And she's never done any kind of professional training. Uh, she don't. I mean, she just goes out and runs every day. Uh, listen, one day she told me, uh, she said, you want to run with me? And listen, that's the last thing I want to do. Amen. I mean, listen, if I ain't in church and God absolutely just blows out in the surf, you ain't, or unless a Rottweiler or a Doberman pitcher gets, you're not going to see me run. And boy, I, I got a little confident that morning. I said, I'll run with you, honey. I said, let's go. And we took off around the block. I mean, I had an old pair of Nike basketball shoes on. And here she is with her little Asics on. I mean, them professional shoes and all that. And we took off and I said, I'm just going to burn her. I thought, there ain't no way she can keep up with me. And I took off. I mean, I was getting it, son. I, I mean, listen, I got about a tenth of a mile up around the road. And I felt like my lung was in my nostril, about to fall out on the road. I was seeing stars. I'm talking about my head was pounding. I mean, I was sucking wind. I, my legs started cramping up on me. I leaned, I, but I didn't. I couldn't even see her. I done smoked her so bad. I sat there and I thought, "Thank you, Jesus, I beat her." And I, I thought, "Well, maybe she went another way." It wasn't a little while. It just wasn't a few seconds. I heard this little sound. <laughs> Sound like a little deer running up the road. Here she come, Tony tell about it. Come right by me, just laugh. She said, "You can go home. It's all right." And listen, she runs for another 30 or 45 minutes. And you know what's the shame tonight? A lot of us Christians act like I did that day. We bust out of the gate and say, let's go. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to go all the way. I'm just going to run until I can't run no more. And this one happens just a little while down the road. We're over leaned up against a fifth post. I'm sucking wind. And listen, friend, we've got to have patience. Stay on the way. 
stay on the track. I've had, listen, you know, preaching is fun. I love preaching. This is, uh, uh, preaching is wonderful. I love it. Oh, but I tell you what's difficult. It's when you walk through them two wooden doors and you shut that car door and you go back to the real world and you've got to put shoe leather on what you preach. Remain on course. Refocus on Christ. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. We're not going to faint tonight. We need to get our eyes off of everybody and everything else and look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. They tell me, they tell me that in those Bible times, in these games, these Olympic games, they let that contestant select one person, one person, Maybe it's a father, a brother, somebody they looked up to. They let that contestant put that person on the finish line. That person could stand there and wait. And what the Lord's saying here is that we've got the greatest person to ever live standing at the finish line. You say, well, how do you know? Well, just look over there in the back. Stephen, old Holy Ghost filled by his deacon. What's the Bible saying? He said he lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he saw the Son of God. What was he doing? Standing on the right hand of the Father. Right, listen, what was that? He was standing at the finish line. Let's say, well done. God's been faithful service. Oh, this is going to be the quickest way to pray. You just start watching other Christians and watching other people and worrying about other people's lives and other people's business. Oh, instead of looking at Christ, hey, it doesn't have to be something bad. Oh, can I say that there is nothing you can look at that's better than Jesus Christ? Refocus on Christ. You see, he says here, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary. And faint in your mind. Paul tells them here, he says, You gotta remember the crowd. You gotta remove the crowd. He tells them, he says, You gotta remain on course. Remain on course. Stay patient. He says, You gotta refocus on Christ. Look unto Jesus. Remember who it was that got you in this race. It wasn't a church, it wasn't a preacher. Wasn't it was the Lord Jesus Christ? He He's why we're here tonight. That's why I'm here tonight. That's why I preach. I'm not preaching for fame or glory or riches or wealth or or or, or prestige, brother Tony. Why we stand and preach is because of the Lamb of God, the Savior of our soul. But then the last thing he tells him, you got to revisit the cross. He says, who endured the cross, endured the cross. You know. There's just something sweet about this table. 
There's nothing. It's not spook. It's nothing super. It's no, I don't believe in all that transportation, all that stuff. Transportation. I thought it's something to get on my article. symptoms coming on in my life. You said, Brother James, the preachers faint. Oh, yes, they faint all the time. You ought to pray for your pastor. I'm not saying this because he's my friend, but he is my friend. I'm saying this because it's the truth. He always has to carry his burdens and his family's, but he has to carry all of your burdens. Every person that's not here tonight, he's worried about them, he's praying for them, the ones that get upset, he's worried about, he's praying about. And you know something tonight? The devil has got a bull's eye on him. The Bible says, smite the shepherd, and sheep will be scattered. You know, listen, you know, uh, you ought to pray, but I've learned this in my own life. Brother Toby, uh, when I get weary in the way, and, and sometimes it becomes a burden, and it becomes a task just to stand up uh, and open the Bible, the devil will rage war on your heart. He'll tell you it's not worth it. He'll say nobody's getting saved, and nobody's getting helped, and, and the church is not growing, and, and nothing's happening. You know what the best thing to do is pack up your spiritual backpack and head yonder to Jerusalem outside of town and walk up that hill. You say, have you ever been there? Not in my physical body. I have not. Oh, but in my heart and in my soul, I've spent many a day and night I'm just looking at that cross. You see the pain that he suffered when you go there. He said, who endured the cross. Endured the cross. You know, there's some things we've got to endure not enjoy. There's some things you, you know, God says, take Timothy chapter 2, endure hardness as a good soldier. There's some things you just got to endure. There's some things you just got to endure. This Bible talks about over and over, there's some things. Paul over there in 2 Corinthians 12, he was talking about that thorn in his flesh. He said, I'll therefore most gladly rejoice in my infirmities. He didn't say, I'm going to rejoice for my infirmities. But he said, I'm going to rejoice in my infirmities. Listen, there may be things in your life, and I know there's things in mine that I can't rejoice for, but I can rejoice in those things. Listen to that. He says, listen, consider the pain he endured. Jesus didn't enjoy the cross. He endured the cross. Oh, listen, friend, I know it's been said and it's been talked about and sung about. Oh, but can we ever talk about it enough? Oh, what he endured on that cross as they took him and stripped him and hung him and nailed him and placed him there between 
there's so much you could say. You know, a lot of times we talk about the physical side of Calvary, but we forget the spiritual side. And I believe where Jesus hurt the most was not externally, but it was internally. I believe when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I believe that hurt him worse than anything those soldiers did to him that day. Oh, listen, friend, I believe the spiritual... And the, and, the, and the torment within his soul. I mean, I'm talking about a man who did no sin. The Bible says that neither was God found in his mouth. He said that the Bible says he was holy, harmless, and undefiled. The Bible says he was without spot and without blemish. Oh, but listen, the Bible goes on and on and on. It says he was tempted at all points like as we are, but yet without sin. He was without sin. He was innocent. He was spotless. Oh, but listen, on Calvary, he never committed sin, but he did become sin on Calvary. I'm talking about God. He took the sins of you and the sins of me and the sins of all mankind and he poured them on his son. When you start thinking about that, it sure makes what everybody else has done to you seem real small. The pain, the pain, the prize. He says the joy. That was set before him. You know what I believe the joy was? I believe it was you and I. I believe he looked ahead and he saw a little boy coming out of the boat. I believe he looked ahead in time and he saw little girls and men. I believe he looked ahead in time and he saw husbands and wives that were about to get divorced and they come down and get saved and their lives were salvaged and their homes salvaged. I believe he looked ahead and he said, it's worth it. And she's got cancer all through her body. And they've told her, said, you're just going to die. She's about lost her mind. She's about lost her mind. This morning, my mama, she sent me a picture, a text message. In that picture, my old grandma was sitting up there in that hospital bed. Hair looked like she'd just been to the beauty salon. She went every week, got that thing. I mean, she touched on it. Had her hair all fixed up. Had on a little gown. Had on some pearl necklace. Had her coffee head cup in one hand. My mom put it on there. She said, we're just drinking coffee and listening to you preach. Had a CD in that room. She said, my little grandmother woke up. She said, I just want to hear James. I just want to hear some preaching. I just want to hear preaching. My mom, 
she, and I talked to her this afternoon. She said they just sat there and cried and listened to it and drank their coffee. And let me tell you something, my mom and them's worried that they're up in there. They don't know how they're going to deal with it. Listen, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's hard. I don't care who you are. And you know, listen, our family's heartbroken. And we don't, we don't like what's about to happen. But oh, that little lady, six-year-old, she's not worried at all. She's not said one word of complaint. In fact, she grabbed my sister yesterday and she said, Honey, she said, I'm just passing away. She said, I'm just passing away. She said, but don't worry for me. She said, I'm just going to rest a little while. Yeah. She said, I'm just going to rest a little while. Hey, listen, she told me before. I mean, she's giving me the gospel and talking about heaven. And what I'm saying is, oh, listen, there's a prize. Oh, there's a prize. There's a prize that weighs you and I. Yeah, right. You know, she's not going to regret it. I don't know when, but very soon. She's going to close her little eyes. She's going to open them. She's going to be standing on the street of pure gold. She's going to be surrounded by walls of Jasper. You say you've lost your mind. Listen, I ain't lost my mind. I still believe what that Bible says. I mean, man, I believe that let the scientists be wrong. Let everybody else know. I believe God's Word is true. One day, and Brother Toby, she's going to be there. She's going to look upon the face of the Son of God. You think she'll be a you think she'll regret serving him? Do you think she'll regret going to church? I'm talking about she raised two young and by herself, had a drunkard husband and left her when they were newborn children and walked away. I believe she's gonna lift both them hands and give God glory. Why? Because of the prize that she's about to receive. You know, don't faint tonight. We used to sing a song. Don't give up on the break of a miracle. I'm not going to sing it tonight, so don't worry. But don't give up. Don't give up. That's what Paul was saying. Just keep on. You don't know how close you are to seeing that prayer answer. I've got a brother I've been praying for uh, since I was seven. I've been praying for him for 14 years now. He used to be in church and played the piano. And he was on fire. In fact, when I was back set on God, he, I got a conviction because I'd come home at night. He'd be reading his Bible and, and, and praying. And I'd sit there and just, I mean, the fear of God would come on me. Uh, because, but listen, somewhere down the road, he got discouraged. And people did some things to him that hurt him and, and, and broke his heart. And he got out of the way. And he's not been in church in about 10 years now. And he won't even, he won't even, see, he won't even look at a piano, uh, much less sit down and play one. And Listen, the other day, uh, when my grandmother got sick, he called me. It was about 10.30 at night. And I'm talking about he was weeping on that phone. He said, James, i got to get some things right in my life. He said, I've got to get some things right. I'm not right with God. He said, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to die like this. And I said, thank God. Listen, it took 14 years, but it was worth it to pray for him. You know... History, history has been shaped by people who didn't faint despite their failures, but kept pressing on. Kept pressing on. You know WD-40? You know, you know why it's named WD-40? Well done, 40. You know why? Because they tried to make that 39 times. And it was after the 40th attempt that they had they come up with that Every redneck called praise God for WD-40. I've never met a problem. You know, it'll, it'll help infections in your body. It'll cure, it'll cure a sinus. I mean, it's, it's good for anything. It's good for anything. It kills wasps. 
I mean, listen, it's wonderful. But a man said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I read about a man in, in, in Colorado who went out there to, to find gold and he bought all this land and he dug 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 and he dug. And he dug. Gave up, sold it for next to nothing, walked away. So developers come in to develop that land. They drop down their dozers and three foot, three foot below where he stopped digging, there was gold. California, I, I heard of this bus captain at a bus meeting. He talked about this child he picked up for 16 years on his bus route. He said it was the most disrespectful, disobedient child they ever had in their bus route. They said people kept telling him, just leave him at home, just leave him at home. And that bus captain, I heard the testimony in my own ears, said there was something in my heart, said I just got to keep picking him up and keep picking him up. And they kept picking him up and kept picking him up. It was a little Hispanic, Puerto Rican child. And they kept picking him up. That boy got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that bus captain said, I'll never forget the Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. I was sitting on one, it was a big old church. She said, I was sitting on one side. I believe his name was Patrick. She said, I looked up. And she said, I seen Patrick going to the altar. And she said, he got saved. And she said, now he's pastoring a church, a Spanish-speaking church. And she said, I'm so glad that I kept picking him up. 